special exam edition of the Ball Now podcast. My name is Deshaun Stevens. This is Daniel Noel. And I kind of just said it, but again, welcome to the Ball Now podcast, the show where we talk about youth sports basketball up here in Canada. Daniel, we just saw our last weekend of youth sports basketball for the 2022 calendar we are now in the midst of our winter break, but what a weekend it was to kind of close off the calendar year and kind of put a bow on this half of the season. It was, a, I think it was like probably the best week of youth sports basketball that we've seen in a long time. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, you always just have to check your phone and look at updates. I'm flipping in between games. Buzzer beat in here, buzzer beat in there. Number one team's losing here. Number one team's losing there. It was just nonsense, but I loved it as a fan. Yeah, I think it was crazy. And I think what's even more crazy is that we got all of that and only two conferences were playing this weekend. Like only the OUA <laughs> and the Canada West Conference are playing. RACQ and AUS took their break and the seasons early to go into the winter break. But listen, let's get straight into it because we have no shortage of things to talk about this week. We're going to start in the OUA. And we're going to start with the Carlton Ravens, the number one Carlton Ravens. They took on the Brock Badgers this past weekend. And guess what? Brock won that game 80 to 68. It was a decisive win, a very decisive win for these Brock Badgers. Daniel, can you tell me your thoughts on this game? Listen, as you know, I go to Brock. This game was hype. This was talked about. Like everyone came out, sold out crowd. And I think the hype was, you know, last year's OUA champs versus this, well, last year's U Sport champs. And these two teams, they never played each other last year. So there was a lot of question of who was the better team. These teams never ran into each other. But you know what? Last Friday, we got to see the matchup, and it was worth the hype. However, like you said, Brock came out on top. And honestly, the biggest takeaway from this game is that Carlton never led. During the whole entire game, Carlton did not leave, lead. And then Grant Shepard, he only had two baskets in the whole game. You know what I mean? Where, where was he in this game? You know, Brock just had him in a box, and he played great defense, and he came out on top. Shout out to Godsman Kwakwa for Badgers. He had 22 points, 11 rebounds, and he was hot from the field. No one could stop him. Brock came on top, and I think that's a good win for the program. So this is the second time we've seen Carlton lose this season, which is kind of uncharacteristic compared to recent years. But I think this is one of the first times where we've actually seen Carlton really get handled. Like, they, they basically got handled last weekend, you know? And, and I think, like you just said, for Brock to lead the entire way and for Carlton to never hold the lead for all four quarters, does it make you kind of raise some concerns about this Carlton team? Because it's Carlton, yes. If it was any other program, I wouldn't raise any concern. But because we're so used to this high-level excellence from the Ravens, this is, like, uncommon for us. Like, you and I have never seen, like, a season where they, you know, they've lost two games by double-digit margins. You know what I mean? It's definitely new to a lot of you sports basketball fans, a uh, quick tidbit, the Brock Badgers, that win against the Carlton Ravens was the men's team's first win over Carlton since 2007, I believe. So that was a historic win. They ended a, a huge streak that had lasted back to the 2000s, right? So I think that's cool for them. Uh, but listen, we're going to stick with Carlton versus Brock, but let's jump over to the women's side because Carlton and Brock also faced off on the women's side last weekend. Here we go. Brock won again. So the women took care of business as well, and they won 73-65. to 65. Madeline Wainart had 22 points, 14 rebounds, and 6 assists for the Brock Badgers. Can you talk to me about this game? Tell me your thoughts. How do you feel about this win that Brock had over the then-ranked Carlton Ravens? 
like this this was a huge confidence boost for the Brock Badgers program. You know, they're on a losing streak and you know there's some questions of concern as where is this team gonna go back to the OUA championship again? But this was a good confidence win. This was the first game against the ranked opponent too and they showed out it was a back and forth game through all three quarters. But once the fourth quarter hit, Brock started hitting their shots and Carlton in it. Um, Carlton's best player, 2022 OUA All-Star, Callie Pockner. She only had two points in the whole entire game. So if you're holding an OUA All-Star to just two points, you're doing something right on the defensive end. Also as well, two big shout out to Teresa Brown, Sheridan College transfer. She has 16 points and six rebounds as well too. So I think this Brock team, they're not going to be that same powerhouse that we saw last year, but they're going to be really competitive. And they still have two key players that they're getting back in January. Chloe Peters, a D1 transfer, and Kaylee DeMont, which was their second-year second guard as well, too. So I think ending the season with uh, you know beating Carlton was a good confidence win, and I think this is a team to watch out for in the new year. Big point there, like you just said. They were in the midst of a losing streak entering this game. And I think the last thing you want to do is enter – the break on a losing streak for the Brock Badgers, the women's program, uh, this was a do or die game. This was, Hey, we're going to enter the break on a, on a losing streak and confidence completely shot. Or we're going to enter the break on a high coming off a win over a nationally ranked opponent. That's typically one of the best in the nation. So I think this was a season saving win for Brock. Like you said, I don't think they're going to be the same as they were last year. They've lost a lot of key pieces, but to see them bang with Carlton and to see them take a dub over Carlton after coming off the midst of a losing streak, I think that's just a huge character win for this program. And I think that's going to keep them alive, you know, heading into 2023. And I think that's going to keep them in the hunt, you know, to kind of step into that playoff picture possibly, because like we'll talk about later, there really is no true number one in the OUA, right? So we'll get into that a little later, but I think for Brock women's, this was a huge one, I think, for both programs, for both Brock men's and Brock women's. Last weekend was just a huge weekend in general for both teams. Let's stick in the OUA because the OUA was mud. The OUA was crazy. <laughs> the OUA was crazy wow. last weekend, all right? Let's talk about Queens, all right? Queens, first off, Queens versus TMU, that was a crazy game. I just want to talk about that real quick. We ain't going to touch on that, but Queens versus TMU, crazy game. TMU gave Queens their first loss of the season. And Kit Chargery basically had the greatest shot of his career. He saved his career with that shot. I'm going to just say that right. But Queens faced UFT this past weekend after they came off a loss to TMU. And Daniel, you had this game pegged as a game that you you really wanted to see because we wanted to find out if UFT was for real. Queens won this game 96 to 95. Connor Kelly had 30 points and two rebounds and a game winner. He hit the game winner from three while Cole Silas, your boy, had 22 points and 11 rebounds. Talk me through this game, Daniel. Listen, like you said, this is a team that I have marked down because I like UFT. Like we said, we support the Toronto teams, and I wanted to see I wanted to see more from them. And even though they lost, they showed me a lot. Okay, this is a battle of seven one teams in the OUA. Queens has proved himself. You know what? They're a powerhouse in the OUA. UFT now, there's this team on the rise that like okay, they're seven one. They lost to Brock. And he beat some, you know, low, you know, not so competitive teams. And now they played Queens. And they went out there. They showed hard. And Aki Alvarez, he put up 40 points in that game. Starting point guard for U of T. So I was impressed by that That, that play. Just, it was just a good game, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I was rooting for U of T a bit. That wasn't me. It did hurt from Connor Kelly. But like you said, Cole Stillis, near triple-double, 22 points, 11 assists, and nine boards. 
Like I said, those two brothers, those Silas brothers, there's something special, all right? You know what? I think that for U of T, just how that Brock was, was a big win for that program, U of T, this was <laughs> not a big L, but just like saying that, hey, you know what? We can go and compete against these guys. And they still sit at atop of the OUA Central. So going into the break, yeah, you're coming off an L, but there's a lot of momentum. You know what I mean? Sometimes you can lose and gain momentum. I think this is a situation for U of T men's. Yeah, listen, last week we asked the question, is U of T men's for real? And even though they lost this game, we found out that they are for real because the reality is if Connor Kelly doesn't make arguably the biggest shot of his career, we're sitting here talking about UFT with the upset win over the then number three Queens Gales. That's the <laughs> reality. That is the truth. And that is the, that is the reality. So I think I'm looking at UFT and you know what they lost, but it might've been their inexperience that lost them the game as opposed to them not being the inferior team. Right. I think a lot of people can point to the final seconds and how the ball was managed with regards to the shot clock as well. Maybe they took a shot that they didn't have to take with six seconds left on the clock. And that gave Queens enough time to march down the floor and get up a shot. Even when it came to their defense, I think their defense on Connor Kelly in those final seconds was pretty good. He put up a prayer and it just happened to go down. So I think we learned a lot about UFT. I think UFT, I think you and I can sit here and say UFT is for real. UFT will be a contender in the OUA this year, which, you know, as, as Toronto people, we like to hear, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we like to hear. But I think even though UFT lost, this was a character building win for them. And we learned all we needed to learn about them. Yeah. And honestly, my biggest takeaway was that, you know what? Early in the second half, Queens was leading by 16 points. So it wasn't to say it was a back-and-forth game. This team fought. They showed gut. And I think as a program, when you show gut and heart, that, that's way better than just going out there and with talent and skill. You know what I mean? And they did lead. With 30 seconds left, it was 95 to 91. Like you said, you know, it wasn't the best clock management. If they just held that ball a little longer, maybe they come out on top. But you know what? Now they know that. And moving forward, when they play these Queens, Carltons, and Brocks, I think they, they compete. 100%. And the reality is when you're a young team or when you're a team that's just stepping onto the scene of being one of those competitive programs, you're not going to dominate everyone from the start. You're going to have to learn some lessons the hard way, right? There are certain things you need to learn. There's a reason why typically the more experienced teams with seniors who have gelled together for multiple years do better in youth sports basketball. There's a reason why experience matters, right? So I'm looking at U of T and I'm saying, hey, they lost that game, but this is one of their lessons that they're learning along the way so that when they step into that upper echelon of the OUA, it's like, hey, we've encountered, you know, tough defenses. We've encountered situations where we need to learn how to manage the clock. We've encountered, you know, foul situations, all that stuff. So for me, I just look at this and I say, this is just a learning curve. It's a learning curve for UFT. Now they know how to really manage the clock and close out a game with the lead, right? I think now also closing out a game is a big thing too. Right When you're facing an elite team like Queens, you're going to need to know how to close out the game because, like you said, they were leading by five points with, like, 30 seconds left, and they somehow gave up that lead. But, again, it's just a learning lesson. So, big ups to Queens. They got their dub after coming back from a heartbreaking defeat one night earlier on a buzzer beater. And then big ups to UFT as well for traveling to Kingston and balling out and, and bringing Queens to the limit. We're going to finish off now. In the Canada West Conference, because we can't forget about Canada West, on the women's side, 
the number one ranked Regina Cougars took on the unranked UBC Okanagan Heat. And UBC handed Regina their first loss of the season, 89-84. to Lee Ibbotson had 32 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists. I just got one question for you. Just one question. Is this loss a cause for concern for the Regina Cougars? No, no, it's not. It's not a concern because you know what? I don't think I think Regina came out and it came out a bit laxed. You know what I mean? It came out relaxed and whatnot. But on the Friday, they waxed this Okanagan team by 44 points. You know what I mean? So I don't think there's any any need to like worry the panic button. Sometimes that happens. You know what I mean? This year, I don't expect any. There's there's no undefeated teams. You know what I mean? I don't expect anyone to go undefeated. So. Them losing that game, you know what? It's just a little wake-up call saying that, you know what? You still have to go out there every night and try. It doesn't matter if it's UBC Okanagan. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, McEwen. You go out there and you play hard every game. And I think that was just a wake-up call for that team. There's no need to panic. Like like, like I said before, they, they won by 44 points when they played the Friday. No need to worry about it. I think Regina is still a favorite to come out of the Canada West. Not everyone's going to go undefeated. Not every championship team goes undefeated. Very few times in history do we see championship teams go undefeated, right? Last year's, uh, you know, TMU bold women's basketball team that went undefeated was coined as one of the greatest to ever step on a U sports basketball court. Now, I don't know if Regina Cougars in 2022, 2023 are one of the greatest U sports teams to ever step on a court, but I know they got a pretty good damn chance of winning a national championship, right? So I agree with you. I think, listen, for them, you got to compete every night. You got to bring that same energy and do what they need to do to win games. I think for them, what it does is it kind of gets that monkey off their back early. When you're an undefeated team, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on you. I feel like a lot of people are looking at you and saying, oh my gosh, are they going to lose a game? And it, so, sometimes that becomes just as big as can they win a championship. Now that they have the monkey off their back of whether or not they can go undefeated, now they can just solely focus on winning the Canada West Conference and going to win a national championship. So I think, again, if anything, this was a good loss for them, which is kind of weird. It's kind of weird saying that losses are good, but you got to learn that sometimes losses are a good thing, right? So I'd rather them lose to UBC Okanagan than lose to a UFV. Let's switch over now. I want to introduce a new segment and it's called overreaction or not overreaction. Simply, I'm just going to give you a statement and you're going to tell me if you think it's an overreaction or not an overreaction. All right, here we go. Carlton men's have a reason to hit the panic button. Is that an overreaction or not an overreaction? Uh, like I said earlier, if this was any other program, I would say it's an overreaction. But because we are used to such a high level of play from Carlton, like this is this is not an overreaction. Even myself, I'm just like, what? Carlton's losing? My my dad, my parents are like, what? Carlton's losing? It's not. It's unheard of. You know what I mean? They're seven and two right now. The last time they had multiple regular season L's. 2015 2016 season six and a half years ago you were a freshman then <laughs> you know what i mean um i still think this team can go out there and win an oua championship but something needs to change something needs to change i don't know what needs to change but something needs to change because they're still competitive but they're just not that dominant team we're used to i agree with you i think this is not an overreaction and simply because of the way they lost to Brock. You're telling me you are the defending national champions. You go 
to St. Catharines and you step on that floor and you do not lead once for all four quarters, that is an issue. I think there is reason to hit the panic button. I think right now people are looking at the Carlton Ravens men's team and they're saying this team looks vulnerable. And the big thing that I'm looking at is that this is the first time in a long time that we can look at the Carlton Ravens men's team and say they don't have like a a standout number one. They really don't. If you think about it, they don't have a standout number one for the last number of years. It's been Lloyd Pandy, who was the best player in the nation. They don't have a standout number one now. It's not Grant Shepard. He ain't playing like it, even though he's been in the CBL playing with professionals. He's coming back right now looking like sometimes he's looking like he's in the second year. It's not Aiden Warholtz right now. That brother's nice. Lots of promise there, but it's not him. You know what I'm saying? So I think this is the first year where we can look at the Carlton Ravens and say they don't have a standout number one. They don't know. They don't have a player that people fear. People feared Lloyd Pandy. People feared Alain Louis. Back in the day, people feared Tommy Scrub and Phil Scrub. But I'm looking at the Carlton Ravens in 2022, 2023, and I'm saying, who do people fear on this team? Nobody. So I think it's time to I think it's time to hit the panic button, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, but I agree with you on that. Here we go. Next statement. Queens men's and women's both have a legitimate chance to win an OUA championship in 2023. Is that a rea- overreaction or not an overreaction? It's not an overreaction at all. I personally think that. Queens women's, they have the OUA MVP on their team and Julia Chadwick. Okay. She's averaging 17 points, 11 rebounds, and they're 10 and 0. Okay. I only see two teams getting in the way of them winning the championship, and that's Ottawa and Guelph. All right. Outside of that, I think Queens, they have a legitimate chance. I'm not saying they're going to win, but they have a legit chance. On the men's side, they're 8 and 1, and they're looking good, and they have true ballers. Like you said, they have people that you're scared of. When you hear Cole and Lucas Silas, you're like, Okay, these are both guys. Like, both of those brothers can get triple doubles in a game. And then you have Connor Kelly stepping up. So, this is not an overreaction uh, at all. They have a legit chance to win the OUA, both teams. Definitely not an overreaction. Both of them have a legitimate chance. Now, if I'm looking at which team has the better chance of winning an OUA championship, I might be leading towards the women's team. Because the men's side, that's going to be a bloodbath. I don't know who's coming out of that. That's going to be a bloodbath. But I'm looking at the women's. I'm saying I'm leaning towards them. Looking like they're the better team in in the OUA on the women's landscape, right? But the way we've been seeing Queens men's ball out, you got to put them in the mix. And then on top of that, you talk about Julia Chadwick. She is always balling out. She's always putting up near double doubles. She's doing her thing. And and you can't look at either team and say they they're not in the mix when it comes to an OUA championship. So again, I said this last week, I'm going to say it again this week, big shout outs to Queens basketball for having two teams that are ranked in the top five legitimate conference championship contenders and legitimate national championship contenders. Here's something crazy. How about this Queens, the way they're building out their basketball infrastructure, they might be the next Carlton in terms of that basketball powerhouse in Canada. Because Carlton, men's and women's were killing it for years. And it seems like the tide is turning. You saw last week both Carlton teams lost in upset losses. And you look at both Queens teams this past weekend had standout performances. I'm looking at Queens. People stop better stop sleeping on that program because the way that they're building out their basketball infrastructure, they got something special. Here we go. UFT men's. 
are a serious threat in the OUA overreaction or not an overreaction? Like I said last week, they needed to show me what they got, and they did. Although they lost, they took a top five team in the country literally to the last second, like literally the last second, all right? And you know what? They're still on top of their division. I think that's like the biggest standout right now. So it's not an overreaction. And Anaki Alvarez, he's playing out of his mind. Callum Baker is playing out of his mind as well, too. So you have two of arguably the best backcourt in the OUA right now in terms of scoring. Not in terms of overall, but in terms of scoring, you probably have the two best guards scoring on U of T. So I think it's not an overreaction at all. I'm going to say it's an overreaction. Nah, I'm just playing. You crazy, man? <laughs> you crazy, man? Nah, nah. Listen, we talk about U of T first of all. Right, we talk about Toronto team. Toronto team. All right. It's definitely not an overreaction, though. Bias aside, definitely not an overreaction. I can't wait. I really want to see, you know, I really want to see UFT men's take on like Brock again. You know what I'm saying? I really want to see UFT men's take on Carlton, Ottawa. I really want to see those matchups because if you can bring the number five team in the nation at the time, they were number three. But if you can bring a top five team in the nation to the last seconds, you are special. Right. So I really want to see UFT face those top tier talents in the OUA. Now we know that they could bang with them. Let's see those matchups. Here we go. Fourth one. Manitoba men's is a legit contender in the Canada West Conference. I think they're legit. I do think they're legit. They're eight and one. And I'm not going to lie to you. They came to Brock in September and they beat Brock preseason. Yes. But I was just surprised because I didn't I didn't know about this Manitoba program. I didn't know about the program. I didn't think they were I didn't think the men's team was anything that was eye-popping. But they came out and they beat Brock. And I was like, wow, I'm gonna start following this team a bit more. So I followed them and I'm looking at them and they're eight and one now, okay? And they also beat ranked Alberta twice, okay? The number six team in the country that you and I talk about and we love so much, Alberta, they beat them twice. All right. They're led by Elijah Lestraco. He's averaging 19 points per game. And like we mentioned before, the OUA is really open. But I feel like the Canada West this year is even more open. The only team I see getting in the way of them right now is UVic, the defending Canada West champions. So they are legit. I think it's an overreaction. No, I actually think this is overreaction. I'm looking at their schedule right now. So they, they had two wins against Saskatchewan last weekend. Then they got UNBC two times when they come back from the break. Then they got Brandon. I think Brandon, the Brandon Bobcast, that's going to be a legit challenge for them. I want to see Brandon and Manitoba. Brandon's playing nice right now. Then they got Mount Royal. Then they got McEwen. Then they got Winnipeg, who's playing all right. They beat Brandon. And then they got Thompson Rivers. I don't see any UVic on their schedule. And I don't see any UBC on their schedule. And don't talk to me about Alberta. Don't even try to talk to me about Alberta. <laughs> Have to put it in there. No, don't, 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 don't it was the first two games of the season. It was the first two games no, of the don't, season. Don't get me started on the team that doesn't know which name to choose. Okay? Don't get me started <laughs> on that team, bro. Their schedule is looking easy. It's very easy. It's looking suspiciously easy. <laughs> okay? So, I'm looking at this team right now, and I'm saying, I want to see what happens when they face Brandon. The Brandon Bobcats, but when they run into you, Vic, possibly a UBC, I don't know. I don't until I see that matchup, until I see a UVic or a UBC on their schedule, then we'll know if they're legit. But right now, I think they're one of those teams that just have an easy schedule. They got a good team, right? So when you have a good team and an easy schedule, you can you can shock the world. But 
I want to see you run into one of those top contenders, just like how we were talking about UFT last week, right? We wanted to see UFT face a legit team and bring them to the limit, and they did it. I want to see the Manitoba Bisons men's basketball team face a legit challenger and bring them to the limit. Right, right now, there's no one legit on their schedule except for Brandon, but we'll see. And like you said, you want to see something legit. And like I said, I, you hate preseason, but it's just seeing them when you see the team play in person, you see their ball movement and you see the chemistry that they have going. It's like their play style. It's, it's nice. I, I like the way they're playing. They play to that championship level. You know, they came at they came to Brock and beat Brock at Brock. You know what I mean? And that's why I was just like, OK, this team is legit. And then the record is also showing it as well, too. I get what you mean. Their schedule, they don't play UBC. They don't play UVic. It's looking pretty like easy to go like 16 and one right now. But we'll see what happens when they when playoff time comes, because that's what we're going to see. That's the only time we're going to see them play UVic. Listen, like we talked about with Regina and the pressure of going undefeated. Now, I know Manitoba is not undefeated, but how easy their schedule is. Let's say they finish with that 16-1 record. A lot of people are going to be looking at them and saying, oh, my gosh, like, we're going to – like, it's go- the pressure is going to be crazy when they reach the playoffs, if they enter the playoffs going 16-1. So we'll see. Here we go. Second last one. Sarah Gates. McMaster guards Sarah Gates has a legitimate chance to win the OUA's MVP award. Is this an overreaction or not an overreaction? It's an overreaction. It's an overreaction. Listen, right now, Julia Chadwick is averaging 70 points and 11 rebounds, and they're 10 and 0. They're 10 and 0. Sarah Gates, I love her. She's the best scorer in the country, hands down. But the team's success is just not there right now. It's not, it's not there. They have three, four L's on the season, and I don't think they have a chance of making it to the OUA semifinals right now, the way the OUA is looking. If they somehow manage to just not lose any more games, then yeah. But as of right now, I don't think so, because McKeely Shantz is playing for Guelph, and she's hooping, and Guelph is undefeated. Ottawa, Bridget Lefko, she's hooping, and they're undefeated as well, too. So there's about three to four people ahead of Sarah Gates in the MVP conversation right now because of due to team success. And I just don't think, as much as I think she's a great player, I don't think she's a favorite to a no UA MVP. I'm very conflicted on this one. I'm not sure if this is an overreaction or not an overreaction because the reality is her team is just not that good, like you said already. But the reality is, She's averaging 27 points per game. And she is picking apart defenses. There are teams that are covering her with four people. You got four people covering Sarah Gates. When she enters the paint, people are, people are putting four on her. And leaving people open for three, leaving people open on the key, leaving people open in everywhere. Right? So it's crazy because you don't see that type of fear often in youth sports basketball, let alone OUA basketball, where you have someone that is such a dominant scorer that coaches are willing to say, just throw everyone at her and leave everyone else open. And she can still put up nearly 40 points when you do that. The dominance that she has is crazy. Also, she has a little bit of James Harden in her because she can make you jump and draw the foul and go to the line and she'll she'll score 15 from the line. So the way that she can control a game is pretty scary. You know, a big pattern that we see with these MVP awards is, of course, you got to be a great player, but you got to be, your team has to be good. So I'm looking at Sarah Gates and I'm saying, listen, if she can finish the season 
averaging 27, 28. And McMaster is above 500, above 500. You're rolling your eyes right now. <laughs> but if they're above 500, I say you got to give it to her just because of how dominant of a score she is. And you, you rarely see that. But if she's averaging 27, 28, and they're below 500, you can't really make a case for her. So I think that's where I'm at with Sarah Gates. I think she's a fantastic player, though. All best aside, I think we both agree she's a fantastic player and she's killing it right now. Great to see her doing her thing. She terrorized York, which I think is a crime. Okay. If you're if you terrorize a Toronto team, that come on, that's an offense. You shouldn't be doing that. But shout out to Sarah Gates. All right, here we go. Last point in this segment. The defending national champion, TMU Bold women's basketball team, they are done. Is this an overreaction or not an overreaction? Listen, is their season done? Is their schedule done? No, it's not. But in terms of them going out there and winning the OUA championship, it's not happening. I don't think it's happening this year. Not this year. Not this year. They're missing a lot of key pieces. And in the division where they're in the OUA Central, where, you know, the top two teams have like three or four L's on the season, they're in third in the division where, you know what I mean? They're They're not the same team that we saw last year. They're not as dominant. And I think that for them, in terms of contending for the OUA championship, I think it's over. They got to bring in some crazy recruits in January for it to happen. But as of right now, I say that it's not a reaction. TMU women's chances back-to-back are slim to done. Yeah, they're done. They're done. And, you know, it pains us to talk about this, but they're done. And that's just the reality. And I don't even need to go into detail about it because I think you just said everything. I think everyone knows what's been going on with that team. I think everyone knows they're not the same. They're done. But great to see them picking up wins. Great to see that they're not going to finish last in the country like I predicted a couple weeks ago. I think they're going to probably finish around the 500 mark. Solid. So They're winning the games they have to win. There you go. They're winning the games they have to win. Mm-hmm. Right? They can bang with the people below them. They can bang with the people at their level. But they ain't going to be able to bang with the people at the top. I think TMU women's is done. I'm with you on that. It is not an overreaction. Let's wrap up with the top 10 because I, I know you love talking about the top 10. I know you love it. So let's wrap up with the top 10. Let's start with the women's top 10. Number one, at number one, we have the Regina Cougars at seven and one. Number two, we have the Bishops Gators at six and oh. Number three, we have the Queens Gales at 10 and oh, the first team to have double digit wins. At number four, we have the Winnipeg West Westman at seven and one. Number five, the Ottawa Gigi's at nine and zero. Number six, the Guelph Griffins at eight and zero. Number seven, the Saskatchewan Huskies at six and two. Number eight, your UFV Cascades have fallen all the way down. They are eight and two. Number nine, you have the Acadia Axe Women at six and two. And number ten, you have the Calgary Dinos sitting at eight and two. Daniel, what are your thoughts on this week's U Sports Women's Basketball Top Ten? Where is SMU? Where is SMU? Why are they not on there? They beat Acadia. Acadia stays on there at number nine, but there's no SMU. Like I mentioned last week, SMU beat Acadia, didn't go in the rankings. And then this week again, they're not on the rankings. Also, too, I love Bishops. I love Siciliano. But I think it's time to put Queens right there at number two. And just due to strength of schedule. That's what it is. The OUA is more... Is, is, it's more competitive than the RESEQ. We know that. You and I both know that. In terms of basketball. So I think it's time to put Queens up there, number two. Slide Ottawa up as well, too. Winnipeg, 
Canada Giles. I'm loving the I'm loving that team right now as well too. I think the team to watch is that number seven Saskatchewan Huskies. Now this is a team that has always been the Canada West powerhouse for the past two three seasons, and they're on the top ten before. Lost to Regina, went out the top ten, and now they're back in the top ten. Watch out for that team. But in terms of everything else, I like where it is. You just need to put SMU up in there because I think they earned that when beating Acadia. Queens at number three kind of confuses me. When you're 10 and 0, I wonder what goes into looking at a 10 and 0 team and saying they're they deserve to be number three in the nation. It, it's it's kind of striking to me, right? I think to reach 10 and 0 is hard. It's hard to get double digit wins as an undefeated team. It's hard, but the Queens Gales have done it. And to be 10 and 0. I think they definitely have a case to be the number two team in the nation over the Bishop's Gators. The reality is the competition in the RCQ does not match up, like you said, to the competition in the OUA. And that's just facts. That is just facts. They have, they could have a reason to be the number one team in the nation. Now, of course, I'm, I'm all in on Regina. I think Regina is going to have a hell of a season. I think they're going to win the national championship. I think Jay Belmore is going to have a triple-double in the championship game. <laughs> but... If I've got to be honest and real with myself and with y'all, the listeners, the Queens Gales have a legitimate reason to be the number one team in the nation right now. But that's really all I have. SMU, I don't think U Sports, I, I don't think U Sports wants to see SMU in the top 10, man. It's, it's, breaking, <laughs> it's breaking my heart, too. No, it breaks my heart, too. It really does break my heart, too. Uh, I don't think they want to see them in the top 10. I mean, if they weren't in last week and they're not in this week, they probably ain't going to be in there at all at any point this season if this is how U sports is moving those are the only things i have saskatchewan big point on them i think we should look out for them too they're serious they're very serious uh let's switch over to the men's because this is where all the conversation really starts because this is this is the foolishness that (laughs) that has people talking every week in at number one can you guess which team is number one go ravens go and in at number one are the seven and two Carlton Ravens for the 32nd consecutive week. At number two are the eight and one Ottawa Gigi's who have actually moved up. At number three are the Victoria Vikes who are sitting at eight and two. At number four are the Brock Badgers sitting at seven and two. At number five, the Queens Gales have fallen down to number five and are eight and one. In at number six, my goodness, my goodness gracious. My goodness. In at number six, I don't know what to say. I, pre- I predicted this. <laughs> I actually predicted this two weeks ago, and I was just joking. But in at number six are the four and four Alberta Golden Bears. Wow, we'll talk about that in a second. At number seven are the nine and one St. FX X Men. In at number eight, making their first appearance, the seven and one Manitoba Bisons, first place in the Canada West Conference. At number nine, Lakehead stays on the top 10. And they are in at number nine with a seven and three record. And at number 10 are the Dalhousie Tigers, six and three. Let's talk about it. Where do you want to start? You got to start from the top. I, I'm not going to lie. I was waiting. Tuesday, 2 p.m., Youth Sports posted. Go straight to the men's. Looking for my Brock Badges in, you know, top three. And I see Carlton, the team that we just beat, number one at seven and two. And what made me more upset is that the team that all the other team that beat Carlton Queens Gales, there are five. And I'm like, you have two teams who beat Carlton convincingly, convincingly, and are below Carlton. Ottawa, I think they are the number one team in the country. 
they, are, they beat Brock as well. I understand they did lose to Lakehead, but their only L came from against a ranked opponent. So you have to put them in there at number one or Queens number two. Uvic, I know I didn't like them there before, but they improved. They haven't lost a game since we talked about it two weeks ago. <sighs> number six, Alberta is still there over State Effects, who is nine and one. My goodness. Manitoba, I think they, they earned their spot. Lakehead as well, too. I think it's a bit controversial now, considering the fact that they lost to Windsor. And the number 10, Dalhousie Tigers. You know my frustration with number six. They shouldn't be there. But number one, I don't think Carlton is the best team in the nation in the more, anymore. You see that. I see that. Hope the viewers see that as well, too. But those are my takeaways from this week's top 10. I don't know what's going on at number six. Let's just talk about that first, okay? <laughs> Listen, the team that doesn't even know what their name is, the, the school that does not know what their name is, is somehow in the top 10 at four and four. And I want to know how much money is being slipped under the table. That's what I want to know. <laughs> it because, this, because this is not right. This is not right. This is, this is not right. There are teams right now who have a legitimate case to be top 10 in the nation right now. And you have this Alberta team right there in the middle at number, at number six. They're, I'm pretty sure they're, they're the only team, them and St. FX and Dalhousie, that have not moved in a couple of weeks. I, only, I think Alberta is the only team that actually hasn't moved all season. They haven't, moved, they haven't moved at all. They've just been there in at number six. What's going on? What is going on? This is this doesn't it's not right. It's not right. And then my other thing is this. Carlton at number one. Listen, U Sports, I know they love Carlton. I know they love the Carlton Ravens. The Carlton Ravens have made U Sports a lot of money over the years. The Carlton Ravens got U Sports mentioned by Bleacher Report a couple years ago when Bleacher Report did a piece on the Carlton Ravens being the greatest, you know, college basketball dynasty of all time, including NCAA schools. All right. So I get it. The Carlton Ravens have made you a ton of money over the years, but you got to be real with yourself. You have to be real with yourself. I do not think this year's Carlton Ravens are worthy of the number one spot in the nation. I do think it belongs to the Ottawa GGs. And I'm looking at Queens. I'm looking at Brock. And I'm saying the movement there doesn't even make sense either. It just doesn't make sense. Brock, man, Brock beat Carlton, man. Like, and they beat them decisively decisively in my opinion you should move you should move carlton maybe down to number four or number five in my opinion for sure yeah that's what i'm looking at and listen now let's talk about lakehead though lakehead now you got some controversy in there i truly believe windsor should be in the top 10 now i think they should definitely be in the top 10 they're legit they are legit i think that's a true top 10 team a lot of people after windsor's win over lakehead are saying lakehead is a fake quote-unquote fake top 10 team that's what i've been seeing I, I ain't saying that that's just what i've been hearing i've just been hearing people saying lakehead is a fake top 10 team right now are they fake i don't know about that i think michael Okor is legit i think they're legit i think windsor deserves to be in there and i think manitoba being in there i think manitoba deserves to be in there as well there's no reason why the number one team in the canada west conference shouldn't be in the top 10 uh but aside from that i think you have the right teams in there minus uh alberta I would replace Alberta with Windsor, and then you have the right teams in there. I want to see, though, I want to see. Here's a prediction. I want to see, and I think we will see at some point this season, UFT sneak into the top 10. 
I think that's I was, legit. I was just about to ask you, do you think if there was one spot, let's say you take it Alberta, who do you put? Do you put Windsor or do you put U of T in there? No, you put you put Windsor right now. I think you put Windsor right now because they have that win over the ranked opponent. I need to see UFT like UFT has to complete the job. Like the job is you got to beat a ranked opponent, right? So they had their opportunity this weekend. They couldn't get it done. They gained a hell of a lot of respect from a lot of us, a lot of people in the Canadian University basketball space, but they didn't get it done. Windsor got it done, right? So I think right now that that spot belongs to Windsor in the top ten. Bump bump Alberta out, but I think at some point this season we will see UFT in the top ten and. When that day happens, best believe I'm gonna show up to this. I'm gonna show up to this podcast with my UFT sweater on, my UFT hat. I'm gonna be having <laughs> blue balloons in the background. I'm gonna have blue cake. I'm eating the blue cake during uh, you know this podcast, and we are gonna have a party for that one episode that UFT is in the top ten. But until that day comes, uh, best believe I think right now that spot belongs to Windsor. By the way, to the people listening, just want to let you know we love all new sports basketball teams. By the way, we love all teams. Mm-hmm. All right, we just. We just got to cheer a little bit for our hometown teams because we've been suffering for a long time. Okay. So please just allow us to cheer a little bit. All right. We've been suffering for a long time. So we got to be happy when they ball out. Uh, but Daniel, any final thoughts before we sign off? Truthfully, Lakehead does deserve to be in the top 10. That's the last thing I'm saying with, because you know what? They beat Brock and they beat Ottawa. You know what I mean? That right there earns you a spot in the top 10, especially if your four games are over 500 as well too. They deserve that spot. Yeah, you know, so they lost to Windsor. But Windsor's not a bad team. Windsor has the best player in youth sports basketball playing right now. It's not going to be an easy win. This Windsor team, they're good. So what? They lost to them. Like you and I both agree, Windsor should be ranked. So if you lose to a ranked opponent, you're not fraudulent. That's, that's, a, real, that's a real team right there. They beat Brock, they beat Ottawa, and they lost to Windsor. So what? Like we said before, no team is going undefeated. That's facts. You, you lost to a team. If you're the Lakehead Thunderwolves, Losing to the Windsor Lancers means you lost to someone who could be playing professional basketball right now. You, you lost to one of the best players in CBL basketball this past summer. You lost to a player who is probably one of the rising up-and-coming stars for Canada men's basketball. If you don't know who I'm describing right now, that is Thomas Kennedy. <laughs> okay. So for people listening, if you don't know who I'm describing right now, that is Thomas Kennedy. All right, so to lose to the Windsor Lancers is not anything crazy, right? It's not like a push panic button or like you're a fraudulent team. I think to lose to the Windsor Lancers is it's a team that like, hey, you lost and it's a respectable loss because they're hell of a good team. All right, we are done because there is no more basketball until the new year. We've been left off at a spot where it's going to be interesting to see what happens when things pick up in 2023, because there's a lot of questions around the country in the OUA on the men's and women's side in Canada West on the men's side, even in the AUS on both the men's and women's side, I think in the RCQ, we kind of know what's up already. So, yeah, but I think there's a lot of questions across the country. So I'm, I'm excited to see what picks up when we pick up in 2023. Daniel, what are you excited to see, man? I'm excited for it to resume. I think this is actually going to be the craziest year in U-sport basketball. Like once the new year starts and, you know, you have some tougher teams on your schedule where wins and losses actually come down to who's going to host the conference championship. That's what it's going to come down to. Like teams are, you can't lose any more games. And we still haven't seen Carlton versus Ottawa yet. We still haven't seen Ottawa versus Queens yet. These are some 
some heavyweight, you know, matchups that are going to be coming in all conferences as well, too. So the race for who's going to host the conference championship is going to be like my thing that I'm looking forward to because teams can't lose anymore. Anyways, Daniel, let's sign off. If you're listening to this podcast, big ups to you for making it this far. This podcast is available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you're looking for anything you sports related, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Persevere underscore, at Twitter at Persevere underscore, and on TikTok. This is Deshaun Stevens and Daniel Noel signing off from another episode of the Ballin' Up podcast. Peace and blessings always.